Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, and this is part two of three with yours truly as the guest and my sister as the interviewer. If you haven't listened to part one yet, weird, why not? Well, we have a solution. You can go back and listen to my horrifying porn story. What a marketing technique. Yep, so if you haven't listened, go back, listen to part one. This is part two. Thank you folks so much for listening. Let's get on with the show. We are back, and Woo-hoo. it is now on to the entrees. Okay. All right, ready? This is the super speedy speed round of questions. I didn't write that in there, but... You're going to be shocked at these questions. They're going to blow you away. <laughs> what was your first job ever? Oh, I don't have an answer. I don't know. Boston Market. Okay, what did you do there? I sliced turkey and made sandwiches on the prep line. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, how old were you? Uh, 15 and a half, I think. Yeah, you babysat before that, right? Yeah, I did. Okay, so we're saying like the first, I get a paycheck. Yeah. Like a real paycheck. Yeah, I mean of. like babysitting was definitely something I did a ton. Of. I mean, when did we start babysitting? When we were like young, 10? Very young. Yeah, like nine or 10 we were babysitting. Too young. Too young. <laughs> agreed. Totally agreed. <laughs> too young. We could have died too. <laughs> Parents that trusted us, that's on them. Okay, so Boston Market, can you, if there were, I don't know if that exists anymore, but if, okay, yes, could you ever eat there? even though you work there. I was young enough at the time that I didn't pay attention to the prep. I will never, ever, 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 ever be able to tip, uh, eat the macaroni and cheese. I mean, as gluten, so I can't eat it now. But but before, I, I all I will say is, folks, don't eat the macaroni and cheese at Boston Market. Why? Uh, I have to be careful how I say this. You're a lawyer. I'm sure you understand. It comes to the location already made is what I will say. Mm, doesn't meet your freshness standards. Well, it's in a plastic bag when you get it. So, bleh. Yeah, you just made a face. See? Don't eat it. Okay. How many customer service jobs have you had? Okay. Um, I added this up because, P.S., I knew the questions ahead of time. 28. 28? 29 if you count um, the, what's the job I forgot that I was thinking when I was running this morning, I was like, oh, I need to add that. I think there was one that I forgot. 28 20 we're gonna say 29 actually because i but i can't well just say 28 because i can't remember what that job was that i was thinking i should have written it down as soon as i got back from uh, anyway yeah, all right what categories do they fall under because we i mean that's i'll just i'll just say what they were okay so babysitting was one boston market bob evans silver spring house wait wait you should go and give your position at each one. Oh, sorry if, if you don't okay mind. yeah babysitting i can't stop burping it's this fucking <laughs> coffee hold on let me take a sip Oh, I'm so mad. I can't think of that 29th. I, darn it. Okay. So babysitting, I was just making sure they didn't die. Boston Market, I was the turkey cutter and sandwich prepper. Bob Evans, I was a server, but also the takeout girl because no one wanted that job. And that job blew. Silver Spring House Restaurant, I was the hostess, which was um, a nightmare. And I quit after two weeks. Then Ooh. the Roadhouse. Wait, was it the Roadhouse? Bar and Girl, I wrote the Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Wasn't, was that the one that was up here? Yeah. Because it was Texas Roadhouse, but then there was the Roadhouse. Or the, I don't remember. It was the one that's by Bob Evans now. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. no. I don't know if it was Texas Roadhouse remember. or Roadhouse. It was, it was there, not Texas Roadhouse. Roadhouse was in yeah. the title. Okay. Uh, the Back Porch Saloon. I was a cocktail waitress. Route 66 Brewery. I was a server. Windows on Washington and windows off Washington. I was a caterer slash lying bartender. Uh, bur- I was a barista at a standalone coffee truck in Encinitas, California. I worked at a place called Oh Hungry's. I was a server there. I was a hostess at Hard Rock Cafe. I was an office manager for a company called Digitaria. And I would count office managing as customer service because it's a bunch of babies that you're taking care of. 
I worked as a caterer at the party staff. Definitely got fired from that job. I was a project coordinator for Digitaria, which is also customer service because you're dealing with clients and it's awful. I was a project manager for a company in Beverly Hills and that was also awful. Um, I was a farmer's market vendor for Greenleaf Chop Shop. I was a house sitter for so many homes. I was a pet sitter for even more homes. I was a server at Library Alehouse. I was a bartender at Library Alehouse. I was a caterer at a Koreatown catering company. I was an event caterer for a different company that I couldn't remember the name of. I was a set coordinator, which you should read as a bitch for various sets. Awful. Um, I was a producer of a few of movies, which was more fun. I was a holiday event actor at both Halloween Horror Nights and private Halloween events at people's homes. I've done background work on more sets than I care to mention, and then server at the comedy store. Hold on, I'm writing down. No, you're good. Private. Yeah, I want to follow up on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> do I follow up now, or you want me to follow up later? You do whatever you want. You're the host. I'm not in charge. All right. I'm. I'm actually going to leave it at the bottom because okay. I don't want to. It could be an answer to, you know, okay. I don't know. You might want to talk about it later in a question. Yeah, yeah, go so ahead. Anyway, you can cut all this out. All right. I'm not going to. What was your favorite job? Back porch saloon, for sure. Oh, why? Yeah. Because I was young and dumb and the bartenders were really nice. They knew it was just a summer job for me. They knew that I just wanted to have fun. I wasn't even 21, so I couldn't drink. And it was just like, which is, I don't understand how I was able to be a cocktail server, actually. Maybe you can serve at 18. And yeah, you can serve, you can serve at 18. Can't, can't yeah, do, yeah. yeah. You're not dumb. I, I yeah. can test that. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Can, you can say whatever you want, but you're not dumb. Okay. Well, even thank you. then. Uh, thank you. That's very kind. So yeah, it was, the, the, the people I worked with were lovely. And most of the people, it was really hard to get a job there because people I never know, left. I did, I did not get a job. We applied at the same time and you got <laughs> the job shame. and I, I did not. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Tell me more how that was your favorite job. <laughs> Of the 30 jobs that you've had, please tell me more about why that was the best. I mean, Megan, it was magic. Like, it changed my life. <laughs> Shit, I forgot. I'm so sorry. Oh, sure. Sure you forgot. No, that's fine. Tell no, me more. I didn't. Um, <laughs> no, it was just, I think because people stayed in that job forever and they were looking for someone to cover for the summer, I think because one of their servers was like jacking off in the Caribbean or something. I don't know what was happening, but they needed someone for just like a brief window of time. And I was going to be that person. And I was making more money than I had made um, ever in my life. I was rich. <laughs> no, it was just as a sir. I had come from like takeout girl where you make like maybe 20 bucks a shift. And I started making like 60 and 70 a shift. And it was like, holy shit. Like I'm fucking rich. So and it was a cool space too. Yes. As I remember from yes. my interview where they didn't hire me, <laughs> there was like a big deck space. Yeah, and that's right. And like really cool atmosphere, outdoor. Yeah, music. And, yes, and they knew at the time, like they knew what music I liked, and so they would they were just kind to me, and they would let me on the days because I was cocktailing outside. They would let me like choose a playlist or put on the music or whatever. Which you know, at twenty, you're like, I'm queen. Playlist for me. Just uh, that's funny because that became something I did at a different job. But yeah, it was it was just it was. I think also it's time of your life too, because there were a couple people that worked there that were a little bit older than me, but still wanted to like go out and have fun. So I could, you know, go dance with some of these coworkers and, um, and it's a weird time because, you know, I had just, I think I had just come back from Spain and I was about to go again and it was like a real, or maybe I'm flip-flopping that. Am I flip-flopping that? 
I don't know. It was just a weird time in life where it just was the perfect job for me at the time. And they knew which Gaffney to pick. Like they were like, oh, we'll take the fun one. And they were right. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> All right. What is your least favorite job? Okay, I have to preface this because uh, the people listening are going to get offended, some of them. So it's a tie. Oh, Hungry's was fucking horrible. And I would say the comedy store. Now, I need to clarify the comedy Ooh. store. Now, hold on. I want to clarify. We can go back to Hungry's. My coworkers make the comedy store awesome. The comics I get to interact with who are always lovely to us. I, I want to name them all, but there's too many make that job awesome. The customers make that job an actual nightmare. Really? Why? So <laughs> top to bottom, the job is about speed, precision, upselling, etc. But speed is the most important part because on average, a show at max is two and a half hours, but probably going to cap off at two. And in theory, in each theater space, you're, you're churning out two shows a night. So you have, in some, in some cases, your section can be 100 people. So you have to get out 200 drinks in oh. two hours. Wow. Two people who want more than two drinks, usually. You can't ever get out of your rotation. Like if I start with table 10, it's got to go 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, no matter how the room is sat. I have to stay in my flow or the people who were sat at table 23 two hours ago are going to get caught bottlenecked behind the people that were incorrectly sat at a, at a closer table just because they happen to be in my rotation. So that makes it hard. Right. And, and you have to time it so that you drop the checks in time for them to pay and get out the room so that the next show can file in. How much time do you have there? Two hours. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, then that sort of drop the check, we need to clear the room and get more people in. Is it like an hour? Is it like 30 minutes? Like cool. what's the... So as soon as the lights come on in the room, it is expected that everybody stands up and gets out. So you have two and a half minutes for them to get out of the room by the time the lights come up. Now, you are dropping the checks in theory before the lights come up. And there's a lot of people I work with who are like, yeah, that process is like max 20 minutes. I know how to do it. You're also... You also have 100 credit cards on your person. So you have to get those credit cards to the right table, to the right person at the right table, because in theory, you could have 10 separate people at one table who gave you 10 credit cards. So you don't want to give John Smith Betty Jones's card, because if you do that, you are responsible for paying that tab. You also gave somebody their, a different card than is theirs, which happens all the time, because it's also dark as fuck in the room. So how do you keep... How do you memorize this? Some girls, God bless them, some girls can memorize the cards and the people. Like, th that to me is some Rain Man fucking bullshit. I can't do that. So I have to keep the cards in, in order of how I took your order. So if you're at the top of the table, and I'm like, okay, Megan Painter's at the top of the table. I, Megan Painter's card is number one. Bob Smith sat behind Megan. Bob Smith is with this chick. So that's card two. Uh Damon whatever is with this other guy okay that's card three so now god fucking forbid that you drop all the cards which I have done way more than one time really yes so what I do is when I write down your order I write, I write the last four digits of your card and your last name on my sheet then when I go to the computer 
I do the same thing. So I enter all your drinks in, but then I enter in your credit card information. This job is far more complex than we get credit for. So it feels nice to vent about this. And can you see how much energy I'm putting towards this? And I haven't worked the job in nine months and I'm still feeling all of these like anxiety vibes around it. Yeah. Because also, so you, so, so you take their cards, whatever. If you don't time it perfectly for how long it's going to take you to run the cards, give them a pen, drop it off, come back, clear the blah, blah, blah. If you don't time it, then they're waiting after the show. If they're waiting after the show, the manager's up your ass because we need to clear the room. And also they're up your ass because they want to leave and they don't give a fuck that you had 99 other customers. They don't care. They are worried about them, their space, their experience and their time. And that always Every I haven't gotten through one shift where I haven't had somebody push back on something, want to argue, want to talk to the manager, be pissed about the two drinks. It's like the very nature of how the club makes money. A lot of people are already off put by. And it's like, then don't fucking come. Like, that's the thing that's so frustrating. And it's like, well, we didn't know that it was a two drink minimum. Yes, you did. And there are probably signs everywhere. Everywhere. It's on your ticket. There's there's painted signs in theory, the producer should have told you like, it just, it's a nightmare. And the thing is, is like, we are extended no grace and no empathy. And so I, my nature is not to be combative. And my nature is, I get no pleasure out of fighting with people. Zero. I fucking hate it. Anger gives me deep crippling anxiety. And so when you are at your table standing up waving that you need a drink and there's a comic that I respect on stage it is my fault that you're standing up the comic may not believe that we have a lot of comics that are empathetic to us because a lot of them have done the job we're doing but you're interrupting their art for a fucking beer like and you don't have the capacity to look around and think gosh I think there's only two servers back here And there's at least 200 of us. Now, not every section is 100 people and not every show sells out. But by the time COVID happened, every show in every room twice a night, six nights a week was selling out. And so you have to have the energy to not only do that kind of stress once, you're doing that twice a night, four to five nights a week. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And so you can't zone out. Nope. That's why some of the girls can <laughs> can have themselves a fun time there. And it's like, I'm not trying to be holier than thou by not being fucked up at work. But like, I don't know how you do it. Like, I, you have to be so hardcore on your game. And it's like, this is my like B survival job. This ain't my whole deal. And so to have the energy to put forth towards the thing that is my whole deal, when I just I just left it on the court, but I left it on the court with a bunch of players that are fucking mean. It's like, that's the part that is so exhausting. Now, granted, not all customers are shitty. Some customers look around and say the really lovely things of like, wow, I don't know how you do it. This is so amazing. And I work with a lot of really dope people who I really respect and admire and appreciate and who make the job tolerable. But it's almost like you're in war together. And that's sort of how you, that's how you bond. And like the leadership there is fantastic management is great like I'm very very lucky in that way Mm. but it's 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 not a job for the the feeble-minded or the out of shape I mean you just like and that people comment on it they're like oh my gosh like everyone that works here so like just like energetic and all over it and stuff and it's like yeah because god forbid someone have you know be out of shape a little bit or like they couldn't it's not possible to do the job 
Mm. So that is why that's tied with O'Hungry's. O'Hungry's was off because the owner was a piece of shit and I wasn't um, the race that he is. And he kicked me off the schedule when his daughter kept stealing my tables. And I said something to her of like, please don't steal my tables or I won't be able to pay rent. And then he took me off the schedule. And that was his way of making me be fired. And I had to go to court because he fought my unemployment and said I quit. He lied. But guess what? I won, bitch. Okay, for those of us who haven't had, couldn't get hired for waitress jobs, what does stealing a table mean? Oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no apologies. I'm just trying to. You're right, no apologies. So in this context, what it means is, I gotta stop drinking this fucking coffee. It keeps making me choke and then I cough in the mic and that's not, is is this an annoying sound? Do you want me to keep doing doing that? You're doing great. I'm not even picking up that. Okay, great. So we would have, oh, Hungry's was not a big space. There were maybe... I'm, I'm, this is going back several years, but I think like 20 tables tops in the whole restaurant. I think about that now and I'm like, wow, I could take that whole restaurant by myself. But we used to have three servers in the restaurant. So your sections weren't big enough to really make a ton of money. And it was a craft beer bar and it was close to a college campus. So people came in there to get hammered on yards of beer and think it was really cute and then leave, right? That was their whole experience. But if you weren't paying attention, there were certain sections that were better, right? Because they had bigger tables. So even if you only got five tables in the section, if you have a 10 top, that's like having three extra tables. So this girl would, if I was put in the better section, she would just start taking, like going up to my tables once they were sat and saying, oh, what can I get for you? And once she entered their order into the computer, that was now her table. Mm -hmm. So now I'm not only down a table, but she has her whole section. So then I would go to take a table in her section and she would lose it. And it's like, it just, it was, it was Mm. so unfair. And because she was, and I don't mean to make it about race, but she was the same race as the owner. And he would speak in their language to her about us as servers, because there was another server that I worked with that spoke the language, but never told them that he did. And he would say, oh yeah, they're talking shit about blah, 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 blah. And like, he eventually quit because he was like, this is a nightmare. And it's fine. I get take care of your own, whatever. That's not my approach to life, but I can honor when it is. But this mentality of you can't trust anybody at your job and like you're going to just be taken off of the schedule because you ask that someone not that's literally stealing your money. If a server takes your table, that human is now taking your money. And so I feel as though it should be treated as such. Don't come into my sec. Now I could ask you and geez, at the comedy store, if you want to take 10 of my tables, please like take them. I don't care. But in a restaurant where your section might be three or four tables, you know, and you're paying rent off of people's tips. It's yeah. And yeah. So, and your hourly rate is, I think at that minuscule. time. Yeah. I forget what it was at that time, but yeah, yeah, it was awful. Do you think we should abolish tipping? Yes. 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 It creates a hierarchy of control and power. It gives customers too much, too much thought that this is one space in my life where I don't have a ton of control. I can control this experience. And if they don't dance exactly how I want them to dance, I will withhold their ability to afford their life. Yeah, I think there should be a basic living wage because I think typically, I think the service that I got when I lived in Europe is wildly different than the service I get here. I don't need you to live in my ass. I don't need you to do a dance. I don't need you to do all of those things. But you need to do that because you've got to pay your rent. That's so fucked. So you think that the the type of customer service you would receive if there's no tipping would be noticeably different? Yes. And how do you think it would be different? Well, or based on your experience. Yeah. You'd get less attention. 
like the the bartenders and the servers in Europe are kind of like they'll do. I mean, in my limited experience, I'm not speaking for all of Europe. I should speak specifically to Spain where I lived. You're not they don't live in your ass and you do have to walk up to the bar to get what you want. And if you're trying to flag them down, it's just less stressful for them because you're they are not accepting your tips. So they're going to do their job at a level that doesn't give them gray hair. They're going to do a level of just even playing field customer service. Now, we Bianca, who's been on the podcast before, has said in Germany, this restaurant she went to, they just decided that they were going to close and she was in the middle of eating and they were like, get out. (laughs) She was like. (laughs) Uh, and (laughs) so I think there is a negative trade-off as well, but I think this literally singing for your supper crap is, it just, it, it feels, it it feels like I'm on the street begging in some regards. I'm curious, and in all of your experience with your customer service jobs that involve tipping, Mm -hmm. have you, what have you learned that, is there anything that gets you a bigger tip is there any any sort of trick that you're like if i do this or that i will get a bigger tip or is it really just arbitrary depending on the customer or is there any of it within your control do you think that's a really great question the sort of spiritual energetic side of me thinks none of it's in your control but based on my applied experience i would say you start to be able to read things about people And I don't mean this in terms of race, class, gender. I just mean you can get, and this is such a California answer, but you can get a vibe off of someone. And I, especially at the store, I've gotten a little bit more of a fine-tuned eye for that person wants to be left alone. That person wants me up their ass. That person doesn't care one way or the other, is just down to have a good time, which please always be that person. Um, that person is having a shitty night that has nothing to do with me. So I'm going to just avoid all that energy. Like you start to be able to recognize that and look, God bless the customers that are fully transparent up top. Like I, there was one guy who came in a lot. He was wildly generous at the store. And when I was new and didn't know his drink, which a lot of people already had known his drink, he just said me, he was like, I like wild turkey. I like one piece of ice. I like it on the side. I like doubles. And I like to never have to ask you for that again. As soon as you see my glass a quarter of the way full, you will bring me another one. Now, someone might be like, fuck you. Like, don't tell me what to do. For me, it was freedom. I said to him, I was like, oh, thank you for telling me what you want, when you want it, how you want it, and letting me do my job well. Because I said to him, I was like, okay, I'm new. It's going to be a little so he goes, I get how this works. And he's like, I'm just telling you what I would prefer. And then he gave me a fat tip once I figured it out. And so do I think that some people are affected by your type of service? Yeah, because I myself am. If I can see a server is really, really going hard, and regardless of if they make mistakes or not, if I can see that they care and they're trying, you're going to get a 30% tip. You just are. So do I think that people like, and I'm sure you're similar, like you're empathetic. So, you know, do I think that there's people like us in the world? Yeah, I've seen it. So there are people that will tip based off of performance, but in the same way, there are also punitive people who tip based off of service because you didn't, I had a guy, this happens with men all the time. I simply don't have time to sit there and do a shtick and a deal with you. I have to take your order and move on. It's not personal. It's the nature of the fucking space you have chosen to enter. And so I had a guy, I ran up to a table because I was in the weeds as you always are there. And I was like, hey, what can I get for you? And he was like, what's your name? And I was like, oh, we're going to do this. I was like, my name's Kate. What can I get for you? And he was like, 
you seem stressed. And I was like, well, this isn't helping. What can I get you? You said that? Yes, because thank God at the store, I get to be a little bit of a sass ass because if I didn't get to be, I don't think I could survive that job. So God bless the management for letting us be a little bit of who we are because you, you have to, you have to give some piss and vinegar. Otherwise people will railroad you there, coworkers included, because that happened. But I think there is a certain amount of you're in charge as the server at the store, but that is often not the case in other settings. So I do think people, I think in other settings, you are tipped based off of performance. But if you tip, listen at the store, if you were, if I were making money based off of performance, most of these tables would write a big fat zero. A lot of them do, but if you're a fast drinker, if you just, if you want to drink, put it down and have a new drink in front of you, which is really standard at any other bar or restaurant, you you might wait an hour for your next round because I have to get to 99 other people. So I can't get to you. People are going to jump up my ass. Not every section has 100. Leave me alone, fellow employees. But even like in some cases, you're getting to 49 other people or 60 other people or whatever. And there's a lot of people I work with who it doesn't stress out, but I don't want to do the job poorly. It's not my preferred source of income but I don't want to do it poorly and you are going to fail every night and you have to accept that. So in a way it's a microcosm of like, you know, being a comedian, it's like you you're failing constantly and to to the point where it just teaches you to detach, which is good. But anyway, to answer your previous question, I think tipping is mostly arbitrary. I think most people go in with a percentage or double the tax, which stop saying that that's not a thing, but I think most people go in with that mentality and there's not much you can do to add to it. I think most people go in wanting to take away from it. Mm. So you're being, it's, it's people keeping notes on how you're doing your job. And in that way, that's where I think the tipping system is so gross because I don't go to your job and get to just be like, well, and granted tips are a gift. You do not have to tip us. You don't. Well, if you're going to survive, we need to tip you. And that's, that's the the problem. The base level wage is not livable. Yeah, no, absolutely inhumane. Mm Mm-hmm. But then I also feel like servers get blamed for, you know, the kitchen could be making mistakes or the bartender could be making mistakes, but the server ends up being the one who bears responsibility for it. A hundred percent. Because we're the face, right? So we've accepted that because the kitchen also, well, there's an answer I have to a question later that will explain this isn't always the case, but the kitchen doesn't get tips. So in theory, they care about their job. I've worked with a lot of amazing chefs and sous chefs and just cooks in general who really care. There are some at the store who really care. And even though it's, you know, chicken tenders and fries, it's like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I like that they care about it and that they care even though they're not really getting tipped. So as a server, you are bearing the brunt of that responsibility because you're also making more money than they are. So in the same way that like being a manager kind of sucks a bag of dicks when people want to complain to you all the time, but you're making in theory, a six-figure salary to take those lumps, right? So I do think that there's a certain amount of acceptance that you need to have to be able to work in any sort of customer service position. But especially with a tipped position, you got to take some lumps. You just do. Because some people are going to take their day out on you. And that's true if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're, you know, a mom. It just doesn't matter what your job is. You're taking somebody's lumps at some point. So what is the weirdest thing you've been asked while on the clock? I was asked to have sex with a groom of a bachelor party, uh, and that was a crisp and immediate no, never, not ever. And they were dead ass serious. What? And then, uh-huh. And the bachelor was sitting right there smiling, uh, and that was a crisp and immediate no. And um, I was asked which hotels uh, would allow for hookers. What did you say to that? I'm flattered that you think that I have an in <laughs> with that community. I really said that because, look, sex work is work. I'm not here to shame, but... 
I was like, not really my lane. I said, <laughs> but I bet some of these door guys probably know and they probably did. <laughs> what incident made, wait, what incident made them ask you to speak with a manager? So as I stated before, at the comedy store, they asked to speak to a manager basically I mean, I can't think of it. Maybe like a handful of shifts where that didn't happen. And other girls will t- who work there will be like, I've never had anyone ask to speak to the manager, which P.S. They're lying. But also maybe not as much because it's very clear that I get frazzled because I care. And so I think some people take advantage of that. So they think that they can work me and be like, oh, yeah, we don't want the two drinks. And I'll say, well, you have to get the two drinks. And they'll say, no, we don't. You can't force us. And I'll say, Well, much like any establishment that makes you wear a t-shirt when you walk in the door, these are the rules for this establishment. And the response is, wow, wow, we need to speak to somebody else. And I'll say, okay, I can go get my manager. My manager's literally going to say a version of exactly what I just said to you. No, they're not. Go get them. So then you have to waste your time, which time is your most precious commodity at that job. And life. And in life. Facts but you are trading precious minutes that will be the difference between someone getting a drink and keeping them happy and someone feeling ignored and being pissed and ruining your night. You go get a manager and the managers are not trying to interface with the customers either because they don't, how many times a night does a manager want to look at a customer and be like, yes, I understand you are frustrated, but the policy is for to have two drinks and it is on your ticket and the walls and you knew that before you came in. I'm so sorry. Here's please. What would you like? You know, I mean, how many fucking times? Also, sodas are four bucks there, which is a lot, but it's like eight bucks. I know you're not going to tip me. As soon as you start with that speech, I'm like, oh no, this, this train is over and I will lose money on you because I'm going to tip off of the sale that I am forced to do because it is my job. I have to sell those drinks to you. So I am now, I paid for you to have those drinks. Wait, how were you, how were you paid? Because Explain that. Your, t- your two sodas that you're refusing to order and wasting my time with, it makes me want to shove my fist in your mouth is that's an $8 total, right? We don't tax it, right? So I am going to give back to the house 10% of my sales, right? Oh. So 80 cents of what you have just paid for has to go back to the house. And back to the house means? Tip out. You tip out the bar, you tip out the kitchen. Okay, okay. Sorry, yeah. So regardless of whether you get tipped, you have to pay tips to everybody else. Correct. Oh, wow. So now your $8 has cost me almost a dollar. Now it's relative, right? What if you argued with me and then you ordered two double gray goose and sodas? Well, now your bill's 40. So now I lost $4 because I know you're not tipping me. Do that a hundred times a night. I mean, it's like, look, we still make a grip of money there, but you're still fucking me and you wasted my time and you made my service to everybody else suffer because you're a narcissistic piece of shit. And you just want to argue. And it's like, bitch, do you think I come to my job every day wanting to argue? That ain't my shit at all. Just let me do my fucking job and get out of my face. Just get out of my face. Do the managers back you up when they come over to talk to the customers? Uh, Or is that too? It depends on the manager. In the weeds. Okay. It depends on the manager. It, It really like somewhat yes, somewhat yes. They have to be careful too. I mean, everybody's singing for their supper. So it's a little bit like they also don't want that customer to then go call their boss. Or what often happens is when they're pissed and we charge their card and they pay for these drinks they didn't want, they'll call the credit card company the next day and say it's fraud. And now what happens is when you get a charge back as a business, it takes upwards of six weeks for that to come to your business. 
So you as the business lost that money and you were supposed to respond within six weeks, but you didn't get the charge back until week six. So now you as the manager, what are you going to call after every chargeback? You can't. And sometimes you miss the window. So they know that they got to steal from the business. They not only stole from the comedy store, they stole from the server who served them. They stole from the producer who put on the show. They stole from everybody and they don't care. And it's really that big of a deal. And so it's a grift. And that's what's so frustrating. And you know, in your head, you're like, this couple for sure is calling both the comedy store. And what they'll do is they'll name you because your name's on the receipt. They'll call the comedy store and they'll say this server was terrible. This server charged me and I never got the drinks. That happens a lot too. And it's like, I literally cannot charge your card for a transaction that didn't happen. Maybe other servers can do that. I've never seen that happen there, but I ethically, morally, whatever you want to say, I won't do that. I can't. I'm not going to charge you for two double Grey Goose and vodka, or that's the same thing, double Grey Goose and soda, and not bring those drinks to you. That's insane. Like, I... So yeah, so that that often happens. So the people it often are, happens. Mm-hmm. Like how often would you say that happened? I mean, the last the manager before the one now. What up, Curtis? Uh, the manager before the one now. Part of why he was quitting was he was like, I can't keep doing these phone calls, looking back at charges, trying to tell the customer that I had I talked to the server and yes they did and like and that uh, and sometimes we what some servers do is they'll run the card before it all starts to see if the card can go through because I've been handed bunk cards before. <gasps> I don't have time to do that with every table, but some servers are just faster than I am, so they'll do it. So it'll come up as a pending charge. So someone will check their bank account the next day and they'll be like, uh, there's a $100 charge from the comedy store. I only got two sodas. And so some of it is he's like giving financial description, like class to these people that call in and saying, well, is it a pending charge or has it gone through? It's a pending charge and it's $100 and blah, blah. Okay, pending doesn't mean a real charge and blah, blah, blah. And like, he's like, how many more phone calls like this can I take? And it's a great question. So it's just like can make you cynical about people, right? Just a little bit. Just a little, just bit. A little bit. All right. Can you tell us about any other incident with managers? Yes. So there was a time when um, Chappelle notoriously just shows up at the store and a Chappelle night is always a late night and it's tough. And so if if Chappelle comes to the store, it's usually after 1 a.m. And this was one night where he just happened to come at 10 p.m. And he happened to bring Chris Rock with him. And that is like, you have hit the the comedy jackpot and you paid $20 for a ticket and you're seeing brilliant people do their art. I mean, it was people that could sell out Madison Square Garden you're seeing for 20 bucks that are as far away from each other as you and I are, which is not far. So I was in what's called the original room. It was the second show of that evening, but it hid. And it was, I think this was like, by this point it was around 11. So Chappelle had worked other rooms and then he was coming to the OR, but we didn't know that. And I heard he was there and I didn't think much of it. And I was waiting on this couple and the guy was, you know, just quintessential New Yorker, but I love New Yorkers on the whole. He was the New Yorker of I'm new money And I'm showing this 20 year old how hard I can flex by being a complete piece of shit to you, my server, and also being loud, constantly having my phone out, like just pay attention to me. It's like, clearly this man wanted to be a comic at some point, which we get a lot of, and also didn't have money the way that he was trying to flex that he did. So he gives me his card. I keep moving through the room, keep going, keep going, keep going. 
at some point he and this woman leave. I don't see them because this happens a lot. This is why we physically take cards, right? So they've left, they've gone to wherever. And so I was like, oh, I got to close them out. They had a $250 bill. I was like, I got to close them out. So I run the card, declined. And I was like, all right, maybe that was an accident. Run the card, declined. Manually enter it, get a manager, declined, declined, declined. And so I go to a manager borderline in tears. And I was like, cause the second show of the night, I don't know how many days in a row I had been working. I was exhausted. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? And in normal circumstances, and I've said this on the podcast again, but it bears repeating in most normal circumstances, that is now a $250 bill that I owe to my job. And that is money I won't make in one night. And that is now two shifts that I would have to use to cover this bill in normal circumstances. Correct. In normal settings, that's the case. Really? Yes. So any t- because technically it's your job to watch the table, right? You're, you are the gatekeeper to whether or not they leave. Aww. So this dine and dash crap that people think is adorable, you're not fucking over the man. You're fucking over the individual male or female or non-binary person that has waited on your table. Aww. You have now hurt, right? So the manager was just benevolent and in a great mood and said, we'll talk about this at the end. Don't worry about it. We'll figure something out. And I believed him because he's taken good care of me before. So I didn't totally break down, but I was still like, oh my God, right? So I have this $250 bill hanging that got separated to a different tab so we could figure out what to do at the end of the night. But I keep the card on me. Chappelle roams about in the hall and comes up into the OR and then Chris rocks in there and they're sitting in the back. The OR seats total, I think 150 people. So it's not a big room relative to the other theaters. So Chappelle gets on stage, does a whole set. I think that what had happened was this guy with his 20 year old, whatever, were, they were at the front bar, which was outside. So I think they must have heard Chappelle's voice because his laugh carries and his voice carries. And also the rumor mill at the comedy store is very tiny. So as soon as a massively successful person comes in there, you're like, holy shit. So they sneak in the back entrance to the room, which is over by the bathrooms. So customers are allowed to go to and fro, but that is also the server's main stairway into the room to bring drinks. So I don't see him come back in, but I had told one of the security guards who I'm close with and love, I was telling him the story and he was like, that sucks, Kate. Like, I'm so sorry, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, it's a bummer. And I said, but he had been giving me attitude the whole time, blah, blah, blah. So he sees that couple come back in because I described them and he was like, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. He sees them come back in the room. I don't. As he's coming in, Chris Rock is going on stage. So Chris starts his set and I see that couple sit down and the security guard's like, Kate, they're in here. What do you want me to do? And I was like, oh, I got it. Don't worry. So I went over to the table and I said, Oh, hi, excuse me. And he was like, stop, we're watching this. And I was like, stop, you walked out on your bill. I need a card that actually works. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you've handed me a credit card that doesn't work. You have a $250 bill. You left the room and either I'm responsible for that bill, which I'm not, or you are. Could I please have a card? I'm sure I said it a lot nicer. I'm making myself sound like this like beefed up strong person. I, I probably it. was like, please give me a card. I'm so scared of you. <laughs> but for the purposes of the story, I flexed. It's your podcast. Yeah. You <laughs> then I lit the room on fire and walked out. Um, so some <laughs> hybrid version of what I've just told you is true. Anyway, so he goes, we paid the bill. <gasps> and I said, you did? I was like, oh, where's the receipt? And he was like, you would have it. And I was like, 
oh no, I have a declined card. That's all I have. And so he goes, unbelievable. So he gets his card out, a different card, and hands it to me. So like, obviously, you knew what you did. And I said, and also, I'm going to need you to go. Because, and I don't say this to him, but like, fuck you. Wait, you can kick him out? Yup. Oh, that's great. You walked out on an almost $300 bill. That's great. Because also, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle were not on the marquee. Like, they weren't meant to be there that night. They just showed up. You don't get to see them after you fucked me over. Like, fuck you. And that is one way that the comedy store will absolutely have your back. Like, because that fucked the business too. Because if the manager was really going to be benevolent and get rid of that almost $300 bill, the comedy store would eat that money. Right. So fuck you twice. Wait, so did, did you run the new card before you kicked him out or did you? No, <laughs> no. Cause you're not going to watch Chris Rock set while I run your card. Because also I have drinks to drop off and you're my priority 10. Now the people who are actually paying and actually have drinks that they would like to drink are my new priority. So he was like, you can't do that. Chris Rock stops performing because this guy's yelling at me so loudly. No and, way. And I'm speaking to him in a normal voice because I will never interrupt the art of someone on stage. I won't do it. Even if I dislike the comic, I just won't do it. It's disrespectful. Right. And I should be fired if I do that. And so I'm speaking to him at this volume. And he's doing one up, blah, 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 blah. And like getting super loud <sighs> and like, I'm an investment banker in New York and I've never been treated like this. It's, I can't do a good, like believable <laughs> no, New York good. accent, but good. this is Coffee Talk. We're back to it. It's exactly so what investment <laughs> bankers from New York sound like. <laughs> he's Aquafina from Queens. Okay, this is him. And he's like losing it. And so the security guard who had my back, who saw them walk in, walks over to the couple and goes, you may, you may exit this way. Here's your exit, <gasps> you know, because... Some of the security guards, like, that's what, those are the people I, I, like, uh, friended up real quick because I was like, these are the people that will prevent me from something happening to me. Like, yeah. they're also lovely. So, but I was like, oh no, these are the people I need on my side. So he escorts them out yelling, yelling. No she, way. Yeah, Chris Rock is not performing <gasps> because this gentleman is so loud. Gentleman used loosely. Loosely. Thank you for that. So walks down the stairs, and so he's in the hallway, like carrying on. Ah, Aquafina from Queens, I'm losing. So losing it in the and hallway. What's the girl doing? Oh, that's doing sad. The, the he did a, of, he, she, she's bent her head down yeah. and holding her hands and looking very. Thank you. Resigned. I didn't. I didn't understand. This was an audio medium. Thank you, host. You're doing a great job. <laughs> um, which I really value add. <laughs> <laughs> Ching. <laughs> Worth every penny. So I. So I run the card, but I, well, first I drop off all the drinks because you can sit in the hallway. Fuck yourself. <laughs> so I drop the drinks, which is also my job. I run the card. I knew I was going to get tip zero, but in the meantime, a manager comes out because he's yelling so loudly, <gasps> and the guy's like, "I'm from New York. I have all this money. Like, come on, y'all." people with real money have walked through the doors of the comedy store do you know what people with real money do they don't say i have a lot of money like they pay their bill they pay what well, come on come on with that add-on yeah that's improv improv <laughs> well done so yeah Make so a different choice <laughs> no choice <laughs> we're getting derailed gaffney and stereo i said it first gaffney and stereo. stereo anyway so run the card, bring it back to him. I know he's not going to tip. And then he starts lying about what happened. So 
I should not have done like they, the companies were should have fired me. God bless them for keeping me this night. I earned, if they would have fired me, I'd have been like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> because I walked out. Uh, I agree with this decision. Yeah, this <laughs> is smart. <laughs> so I barrel down the stairs cause I'm hot and I'm Irish. And so I'm like, Very hot. yeah, well, I appreciate you, but I'm an angry. Um, maybe you did too. So I nope. barrel down the stairs with the credit card and I hand it to him over his shoulder. And he's, and I, as he's telling the story to the manager, whose back is to me, I said, that's a lie. That did not happen. You walked out on your bill. And the manager turns and says, Kate, maybe you should go back in the room. And I was like, fuck, I'm fired. <laughs> fuck. No, wait. Okay. All you did was speak truth. Yeah. That, so, I agree you know, with that. I mean, but the manager, you didn't, you didn't de-escalate the situation, but you also didn't run in there and say what he probably deserved in terms of which is eat verbal ass. Yeah. beating. Yeah, you're right. I mean, thank you, but... So. But also, like, it was definitely out of line. Like, the manager was definitely handling it. And I got it talking to, as I should have. The manager was like, hey, when I'm handling a situation, you're going to need to let me handle it. And I was like, super fair play. You are accurate. You are correct. I should have let that. backing you up. Yes. With facts. <laughs> right. So... Anyway, so, but the manager did have my back as far as kicking them out. He gave them like passes to come back because that's just what, what, you, what you do. I get, I what? get that play. Here's why. Because you need to think, you need to think positively of the business. And I've given you a negative experience, even though you created it, you created it by stealing from the business. Do you want someone like that back at your store though? They'll never come back. People like that. Uh, that's actually not accurate. It, some of them come back. But but those are the people whose faces like I could I could paint this dude. I remember his face to a T because you just do in the same way you remember the people that are uh, extremely benevolent. You you remember the people that are attempting to just ruin everything for everyone. So and he said he was wow. like, we were planning on coming back and blah, blah, blah. And, and here's the thing. You communicate that to the person you gave the bunk card to then. And you say, we're going to come back. And I'd be like, cool, cool. Going to run this card in front of you. And when we both agree that there ain't no money on that card, you're going to give me a different card. That's what you're going to do. You're going to pay your bill. Okay, boo. It doesn't even make sense. He was going to hand you a card that didn't work, but say to you when he handed it to you, don't worry, this card's not going to work, but I'm going to come back and give you a card that really works once I find out that, that this incredible comic or pair of incredible comics is going to perform. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, Chris, in my very limited interactions with him, is very humble, quiet, keeps to himself. Chappelle has a whole presence. When he walks in, you feel him in the room before he's there. But Chris is very um, sort of to himself. He very, he's working on his craft constantly, taking notes. Like he's ve- He just very much keeps to himself, which I super – I honor both for- forms of being, but I really honor the like, no, I'm here to really work on my craft. And so I was extra pissed that it happened to be him on stage. He's, he's not there that often and also like – he didn't he didn't want to be a dick and be like, can someone get this motherfucker out of here, which would have been an appropriate response right. or to be like, hey, server, can you do your job and get him out of here? Or hey, like he just stopped performing. And it's like now the whole room suffers because you're a piece of. So anyway, they asked to speak to the manager and got to it's my last. Look, I, I think this is a perfect opportunity of public service announcement. The number one deal breaker on a date yep. should be the person that you're on a date with is rude to anybody in customer service the wait staff i mean that should absolutely be date over like i you know i agree with that i mean that's that's a sign of character have you done that on a date have you have you had like a shitty experience with someone that you're like now i'm done not that i can think of specifically but i remember having a conversation with some friends about like what are absolute deal breakers on dates and i was like anybody who's rude to somebody in customer service or anybody who's rude to the waiter i mean that's just such an obvious 
it feels, hell yeah. of somebody who is just not somebody you should be spending any time with. I agree so, with that. Anyway. Yeah. But it's also, I think it's not only is it a tell of that person's character, but also it's a tell about their own like deep, deep, deep insecurities because it's a, it's a power it, differential. A hundred percent. Because I can't actually go tell you to fuck yourself. I right. can't. Right. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's. I, I don't know what they think they're actually displaying, but it it's is a great way of saying it. You know, yeah. Just like if someone if someone treats someone who's in in that moment in a lower power structure than them in in a dismissive and cruel way. I mean, what more example can you get in sure. a date context of someone being a bad person? Yeah, and I do think in some cases people are probably attracted to that. I think there is some Ugh. element. I know, agreed. I think that, but there is some element of I'm going to flex super hard on this person. But to me, what it ultimately, this is like a super not funny answer, but to me, what it actually reflects is that if the partner who is not the one yelling and screaming and being inappropriate co-signs on it just by physical proximity or saying nothing, that means he, she, or they in a normal setting are the receiver of that abuse normally. Oh, that's what I was thinking when you described her. Yeah. And I was thinking, yes, and that dynamic we see a lot and that crushes me. Like I can deal with you. Fuck yourself. I don't have to live with you. I'm not fucking you. I don't care. Go get hit by a truck. Sorry. I don't care. You're a piece of shit. But it's your partner who I'm like, oh, yeah, like gross. Super gross. Anyway, sorry. It's a comedy podcast. I'm I'm really bringing the funny on (laughs) this. No, I was my fault. I told this story. Okay, next question. All right. Next question. Well, okay. The next question was, what was the last straw that got you out of the job? Which I'm assuming is your least favorite job. And then I'm assuming the answer is COVID. Well, so that COVID is why I'm not at the comedy store right now. But I will say, what got me out of the job right before the comedy store, which was a, a blessing in disguise, was the owner of the restaurant where I was bartending kept upping our tip percentage that we had to give back to the house. But there we tipped off of tips. We didn't tip off of sales. And so I had I had a great rapport with a lot of regulars who were very benevolent and would tip me a lot of money, like relatively speaking. Like it's not normal to tip 20 bucks on four beers. Like that's a really, that's yeah. benevolent, right? And I appreciate it. But I would also, I was doing the dance. I was talking and they were, those particular regulars were lovely. So I didn't mind interacting with them. Our tip percentage kept going up and up and up because he didn't want to pay the kitchen staff anymore. And he was paying them. He hired a bunch of people who were undocumented. Mm. And so he was exploiting their labor, which made me sick. And they were bitter because of it, which I totally understand. And I think he was paying them max $5 an hour. It was all under the table. That's awful. Disgusting. It's unconscionable. Like they're human beings and you're exploiting their labor, which he did. And then we got an email from the manager I love, hey, Ange, I do love you, and this was not your fault, um, that our tip percentages were all going up. And so what I was going to be giving back to the house was 44% of my tips. So that meant if I made $100 in the day, 44 of that was going back to the house. So I would walk with, what is that, 56 bucks? And that's insane to me because I built the relationships that meant I was getting tipped extra. I put in that work. And so I sent an email and I said, has anyone else done this math? This is an insane percent. It was broken down by category. So there was no total. And I did the math and I was like, I'm not giving 44% of what I make back to the house because you're unwilling to pay. So I wrote a very nice email, but I wrote it to everybody. And I said, is anyone else reading this? And I said, if this remains true, I quit. And four other people responded with the same thing. And they said, this is the truth. And so we all quit. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. 44% back to the house of your tips is 
unconscionable, in my opinion. To subsidize the exploitation of people in a very vulnerable circumstance. Correct. Well, that was a good reason to quit that job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for part two. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for the final installment of me. Thank you folks so much for listening. Good night.